Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com as well as rate, review of iTunes. As a knowledge from the perspective of the knowledge of Allah, Azawajal has always been known. But to us, to the people, Allah decided to reveal this Quran on sequence of events over a long period of time, over 23 years. Why? What was the purpose behind that? It is now the Quran talks about so that we make sure that your heart is stable, to stabilize your heart, to stabilize your reasoning, to stabilize your, and of course the reasoning will impact the behavior, because that's how the behavior of a human is done. Your behavior is based on your emotions and your reasons. So when Allah wants to fix or stabilize the fu'ad, the heart, the brain, the mind, the heart of the Prophet means to stabilize and make sure that his behavior is well defined, is according to a certain uh, way that Allah wants it to happen. So the Quran, the revelation of the Quran in the such manner was meant to provide like a timeline. Like those, sometimes you look at Facebook, there is a timeline. When you want to find, let's say, some root cause analysis, there are problems happening, let's say, in a certain system. You say, I want the timeline of events. There are timeline. There are certain things that happen in a sequence. So Allah Azawajal wanted to build this timeline. Sayyid Qutb in his Vilal uh, Quran, the Shaykh of the Quran, he's called it the Ma'adam, milestones. Instead of timeline, he called it milestones. Those are milestones that help the people to continue a certain path. So that's the idea. Now, you will not be able, you will not be able to detect these milestones or this timeline, how Allah was raising this society, was building this group, was making this motion, if you will, of a movement, you will not be able to detect it until and unless you follow this sequence of revelation. Because if I start reading from the Quran from Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah Al-Baqarah summarizes lots about the Islamic society after the society had been constructed. So there were about 13 or 14 years of events that have happened in the history of Islam before Surah Al-Baqarah. How is it that the people, the Muslims, came to Medina and the revelations about the Jews, about the Christians, about the Hajj, about the Saul, about the uh, punitive rules which were revealed in Surah Al-Baqarah, how did this happen? Well, there are lots of things that happened before that. What is it that happened before that? The sequence of revelation tells it. So that's why we decided to start reading the Quran and reading the ideas and the concepts and the thoughts which are revealed in this surah according to the revelation. 
So we started with Surah Iqra. That's the first thing which we did. That's what Allah Azza wa first revealed. So what is the impact of knowing uh, the, the revelation of Surah Iqra for the first time? For the first revelation hits the brain of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He had never been a messenger before. He had never received the revelation before. He doesn't know prophets before because he did not read. He was not a person who would read. read. So he is not educated about Musa or Isa or Suleiman or Dawood or any of these prophets. So here out of a sudden Allah Azza wa gives him a new indication that you Muhammad are becoming a prophet. What does prophethood mean to him? How does this influence or impact his behavior? What has he done? What are the first steps that he had to do in order to verify whether what he has revealed, what he has received was valid, was correct, was something useful or something uh, out of this world? So he had to find out. And we talked about the reason then why he talked to Khadija. Then Khadija went to Waraka bin Nawfal, her, uh, her uncle, and they made this investigation. And then he came to the conclusion that this is something has to do with something called the prophethood. So we, we had to understand that. And then we had to understand the immediate reaction of some people in Quraysh. Because Quraysh and Mecca is accustomed to something called idol worshiping, multiple gods. There are all gods, everybody has his own gods. So then we had to understand the reaction of Mecca and Quraysh. And remember, as I said, Quraysh, until Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam declared or came to tell the people that I receive something. There is, there is religion, there is a, a, a God other than these gods. Those are not gods. Until then, the people of Mecca were accustomed to the gods being represented or symbolized by idols, by stones around the capital. But for someone to come and say, but all of these are not gods, and God is Allah Azza wa Jal, that is out of the, out of order. That's not something they can accept. So they have to react. What was their reaction? Ah, the Quran in Surah Iqra talked about that. There is a person who thinks that he is absolutely independent, he is so rich, he is so powerful, then he will be a Taghiyah. A Taghiyah means he will cause oppression beyond a point that you can tolerate. That's what a Taghiyah means. A Taghiyah, a Taghiyah is a form of oppression. But it's a form of extreme oppression. You know, sometimes you say, by oppression, maybe you hit someone with your elbow, that's oppression. Okay? But if you hit someone with your elbow, and you knock him down, and you step on him, and you keep pushing until the person either dies or about to die, that is beyond oppression. That's Tughiyan. Then Allah Azza brings this concept of Tughiyan right from the very beginning. Someone, he feels offended. Abu Jahl feels offended. He doesn't like Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Okay, fine, you don't like him, that's up to you. But don't go all the way in order to vow and swear that you will not allow this man who's called Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to talk about this new deen. That is Tughiyan. That's Tughiyan. So the Quran talks about Tughiyan. And then talks about the reaction. And then talks how Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam should respond. So it is, it's a whole scenario of events. Quran being revealed, Quraysh reacts, Abu Jahl doesn't like that. Abu Jahl wants to stop this deen. And Allah Azza wa Jal tells Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, don't obey this man. Do not obey him. That's 
part of a method. Remember, if you try to sense here, there is a sense of methodology. There is a strategy being devised. It is not something that, oh, those are concepts which are for the brain to ponder on. No. It is beyond being a concept. It's a method. It's a timeline. It's my response. It is, there is a Quran being revealed. Someone has to declare that to talk about it. There is a reaction. Someone is reacting with it. And when that reaction comes in, okay, how you are going to deal with that? And then comes Surah Al-Muddathir, which we talked about at length. Surah Al-Muddathir comes now, okay, now Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam knows he is a prophet. What is he going to do? Man, that's too tough for me. Cover me. Let me sleep. I don't want to think about it. Ya ayyuhal Muddathir. Oh, Muddathir means you are taking cover, covering your head. You don't even want to see anyone. And Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was saying to his wife, Zambiluni, Zambiluni, Dathiruni, Dathiruni. Why? Cover me. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to even think of this great responsibility that's being bestowed upon my shoulder. It's too much. It's too much. Someone out of a sudden come and say, you know what? I am picking you. I want you to be in charge of all these people in this city. Leave alone the country. Out of a sudden, out of nowhere, you are a shepherd. You are shepherding some sheep. That's what Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to do. Shepherd. He goes with his sheep and his goats and his camels to the mountains and he comes back in the evening. That's what he used to do. Out of a sudden, you are in charge of all the humanity. Man, that's too much. There is your Rabb, Iqra' bismi Rabbi. There is your Rabb, new Rabb for you that you have to adhere to. That is way beyond what he can comprehend. He says, okay, cover me. Which means, now going to the timeline, that even today, sometimes when you say, you know what, this world is messed up. This world is messed up. It has lots of corruption. It has lots of tohiyan, lots of oppression. So we've got to do something about it. Who's going to do something you have to do? Well, you are a Muslim after all. Stand up, let's do something. We have to stop this nonsense that's going on. What is the nonsense? Financial nonsense, social nonsense, drugs, alcoholism, uh, financial problems, uh, riba, usury, confiscating people's homes, homeless, uh, wars, uh, thefts, uh, people writing laws and making laws on behalf of other Man, it's, it's a big mess. Occupations, you say, you've got to do something. Say, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear it. Please, not me. You, brother, you'll do it. No, it's, I have too much to do. I can't. It's beyond me. I can't. And I keep pushing it on you, and you really, it's not that you don't believe in it. It's too much. It's too much to stand up for the mess and the corruption in the world. It's too much. And that's Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam now. He is being told you are a prophet. You are a messenger. Allah wants to give you a message. I don't want to hear it. Cover me. Zambiluni, zambiluni, dathiruni, dathiruni. And then with that event being done, with him being covered, Jibreel comes on and shakes him and says, Ya al dathir. You know, oh, you are sleeping. Oh, you are taking cover. Look at this call. Because sometimes you read it, as I said, you go to the tafsir, means, oh, you who has taken cover. Okay, big deal. But if you think about it in a timeline, it's not only that. It is a shake. Someone is shaking. Come on, get up. Don't. 
hide out. You can't hide. It's your responsibility. It's on your shoulder. So you have to take a stand. You have to take a stand. And that's why in the next immediate ayah, قوم. قوم, قوم take a stand. It doesn't mean just stand up. In the Quran, the word قوم or قوام. كُونُوا قَوَّامِينَ لِلَّهِ Allah says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ هَمَنُوا كُونُوا قَوَّامِينَ لِلَّهِ Stand up for Allah Azza wa Jal. And here Allah, right from the very beginning, said, Muhammad, you cannot hide out. You cannot run away from your responsibility. You cannot take a cover. You have to be wide open. Stand up, take a stand. Boom. So you have to take a stand. So that's a timeline. So now, when we tell the people, see, brothers, there is lots and lots and lots of issues. There is big jahiliyyah. There is big people are worshipping idols one more time. Not necessarily stone idols, but they are worshipping people idols. People idols. When you say, and here, I always like when I talk about this, I pick on democracy. Because democracy is one of the most adored concepts in the world today. And then, what in reality is, when you go to a congress and you will see 540 congressmen, 100 senators, these are like idols, like gods to the people. In reality, they are no different than the idols who were around the Kaaba. But those ones were stones, so they were not making mistakes. But these guys are making mistakes. They are even worse. Because the idols, you talk to the idol, the idol doesn't talk to, back to you, then you make up your mind. Here, you talk to these guys, they make laws. They make rules. They are gods. So you live in a world, there are thousands of gods. Every country in the world has those gods who sit under domes. They are gods. And they are called elected gods. And coming to say, hey brothers, somebody has to take a stand. Come. You take cover, you hide behind something. You hide behind your work. Say, so I have too much work to do. You hide behind your weaknesses. I'm too weak. You hide behind you the fact that you may not have time. You are too busy. You hide. You hide behind ignorance. I don't know. But I can teach you. No, 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 I don't want to learn. So you hide. I hide. Everybody hides. Here, what when the ayah comes in and we read it, not only as we read the tafsir, but we read it as part of a milestone saying you can't. Stand up, take a stand. So this is a timeline. Then we talk Al-Qalaq, which we were doing tafsir during the last few sessions. Here is one more, one more scenario. Allah Azza wa Jal is giving us the scenario. Okay. Now here is a man, Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, claiming a new deen, a new system. He's a prophet, he's a messenger. He has a message. Doesn't matter whether that message is big or small, uh, right or wrong, not yet. It's a message. He has a message. And he brings it, brings it into a society, and the society, the people of the society start saying, that message is not useful for us. It's not good. Not all the people, but elites. Like Al-Walid bin Al-Mughira. Al-Walid bin Al-Mughira is one of the top elites in Mecca. He's a powerful man. He has lots of money. He has lots of money, lots of wealth. The Quran says, because he has too much money and too many sons. Many sons means power. 
Because in Jahiliyyah at the times you have so, let's say 10, 15, 20 sons, powerful ones, this is powerful. And he has lots of money. So the Quran here comes and says, okay, somebody in Mecca and Quraysh, similarly in today's society, who doesn't like this message because he loses. Because if you listen to this message, if this message takes over, then you lose something. What is it that you lose? You lose your power. You lose the fact, you lose your influence on the people simply because you are a macho, you are a big guy, you are powerful, you have money, you have the banks, you are in the Federal Reserve, you have all of these that everybody has to listen. Then this being comes and says, no, you have to listen to Allah Azzawajal, the Creator. It doesn't work. He doesn't like that. He doesn't like that. So he makes a stand against Islam. And then the Quran comes and says, well, by the way, this is not an event that is unique in the history of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Later when we read the Quran, like read Surah Hud and Surah Al-A'raf, you will see that the Quran always talks that قَالَ الْمَلَهُ الَّذِينَ اسْتَكْبَرُوا بِالْقَوْمٍ When Allah Azzawajal sent Nuh alayhi salam with the ayat قَالَ الْمَلَهُ الَّذِينَ اسْتَكْبَرُوا بِالْقَوْمٍ He sent Shu'ayb alayhi salam قَالَ الْمَلَهُ means the chiefs, the big guys, the ones with power, the ones who benefit from the society. And when he talks about who? وَإِلَىٰ عَادًا أَخَاهُمْ هُودًا قَالَ الْمَلَأُ الَّذِينَ اسْتَكْبَرُوا مِنْ قَوْمٍ Always the Malak and Mustakbirin. The arrogant Malak, the arrogant Malak, the powerful Malak, the powerful elements who are arrogant. They always stand up against the new deed. So that's not something unique. And today, the ones who stand against the rise of Islam are not the poor guys, are not the African Americans, are not the Latins, are not the ones in Africa or Asia. These are simple people. They like to, to see something knew something that's useful. The ones who stand against the rise of Islam today one more time are the ones like Al-Walid bin Al-Mughira, like Abu Jahl. These are the top elites of the world. This is like the NATO, the, the, the Security Council, United States government, the British government, French, Russians, uh, to some extent Chinese. But, they are, but eventually when China becomes imperialist like the rest of them, they would not like to see the rise of Islam. So those who really don't like to see the rise of Islam are the likes of Al-Walid and Quraysh. And then the Quran comes and says, how do we deal with them? And quite often, and we talked about this last time, when the Quran uses very harsh words, tough words, sometimes when you see a king or a president who is a traitor, who is selling the land or the people for some cheap money, for CIA or KGB or MI6 or something, and some of them were on the payroll of the CIA and they don't hide it. They don't, they take hundreds of millions of dollars and those on the payroll and they are presidents and kings. So when you come and say, that is very stupid, that is wrong, that's treason, that's treason for Allah and His Messenger. Some brothers, some good Muslims, nice Muslims, brother, you know, don't call names, it's not appropriate. You can't call a king or a president, a traitor. Just say he's doing something wrong. Be soft. Okay, that's fine. Why do you say that? Based on what? Because we are Muslims. Okay, if we are Muslims, we follow the Quran. Look at the Quran. The Quran in earlier surah, Surah Al-Qalam, where he says, وَلَا تُقَعْ كُلَّ حَلَّافٍ مَهِينٍ Calling Al-Walid bin Al-Mughira. حَلَّافٍ مهين يوميلين هماز مشاين بنامين مناعب الخير معتن 
Athim, Utun, Zelim. Mine names he called one after another. The worst of them, the last one, is a Zelim, he's bastard. In the Quran, he says bastard? Come on. Oh, yes, of course. The word Zelim is translated literally son of a whore, son of a zina, son of a woodlock. That is, that is a name in the Quran used in the first revelation when this issue of the conflict between Islam and, and Kufr, between Haq and Babel, between the Prophet وسلم, and the elites of the Kuffar came up. So it's a milestone. Milestone means when it comes to the one regular people who do not believe in Islam. There are many people who don't believe. Or you talk to them. You talk to them, you explain what Allah is, you explain what the Quran is about. So the idea here is what we are talking about, I'm not going to go through the whole tafsir, but to give us a notion, what is it that we get out of this? We really want to, to find uh, the methodology of the Quran. I don't want to follow my own method in propagating Islam, because the Islam was propagated by Muhammad sallallahu Obviously, we are Muslims today. We couldn't have been Muslims if Islam was not propagated. If the Prophet وسلم, did not do the job, we would have been just any Mike or John or anything. But today we are Muslims due to the fact that the Prophet وسلم, did his uh, due uh, diligence, as they call it. He did whatever he was supposed to do. And he did it, he did it based on what has been revealed to him in the Quran. Allah showed him step by step. So the Quran contains a complete methodology. And the actions of the Prophet when he was in Mecca and later in Medina reflects, reflects exactly what was revealed in the Quran. Because the Prophet Now either what was revealed to him was specific Quran was or was Sunnah, which we call it Sunnah. So either way, either way, whether we see it in the Quran directly or we see it in the Sunnah of the Prophet in his behavior that constitutes a method for me to follow and to proceed. That is the significance of what we are doing here. As I mentioned, it does not add much to my knowledge in understanding the context of an ayah, the meaning, the linguistic or the shara'i meaning of an ayah. Because I would read Ibn Kathir from A to Z and I would understand it. But what we are really trying to do is to see a methodology, a strategy, if you will, of how this Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet delivered, delivered a group. And when I say delivered, there is an ayah in the Quran that says, الناس, You are the best ummah delivered for mankind. There is a delivery process. Sometimes you deliver something. A woman delivers a baby, she kicks out the baby from the womb and comes out. It's deliverance. You deliver something to pizza delivery. You go to the pizza place, you pick up something, you take it to the address and you deliver. You deliver a message. You take the message, you take it somewhere, you, it's gone, it's there. You deliver a nation. Here Allah says, I delivered an ummah. An ummah, best ummah. Best ummah delivered for mankind. So there is a process. Whenever you say delivery, there is a process. When you say kuntum khayra so there is a process of ikhraj. There is deliverance. 
how this ummah was delivered, how this ummah was created, how is it that it has been delivered from the darknesses to light, from jahiliyyah to Islam, from people who worship idols to worship to people who worship Allah Azza wa Jal, from people who listen and adhere to Abu Jahl, where his words being final to people who come to say to Abu Jahl, you are nonsense, we will not listen to you, you are ignorant, this we will only listen to Allah Azza wa Jal. How is it how did that happen? That is how it exactly happened. That's what we try to detect here. And that's what these issues are about. And that is how we can understand our role as Muslims. What is it that we, we have to do to, to be delivered one more time? Because if you look at the Ummah today, we are definitely not the best Ummah delivered for mankind. We are not being delivered. In fact, today, the world, I mean the, the nations that are delivered or can deliver things, are not us. And when the people talk about the future, who's going to succeed after the collapse of America, or China, or India, or Brazil? Nobody even thinks that the Ummah, Muslim Ummah, can be the next one. It doesn't even come in the, in the minds or the thoughts of people. And when it comes to the thoughts of some people, they say, wow, this Ummah is going to be delivered? It's terrible. They don't like even to think about that. Because we have not been delivered. And we are not working on the delivery. Because Allah will not reveal one more Quran. And He will not send one more prophet or messenger. It's over. So this Ummah has to be re-delivered one more time using the same process. The process is there, we have to recreate the process and use it. That is what the whole essence of this our session. We call it tafsir simply because it doesn't have to do with the Quran, but it's more than that. It's beyond the tafsir. It's the process, how to find, find and define a process of delivery so that we as an ummah can be re-delivered one more time the way Muhammad and his Sahaba and the first ummah were delivered and they were the best ummah for mankind based on the witness and the certification of the Quran. It's a certificate by Allah a certified ummah if you will. Sometimes you say, oh this is a Cisco certified engineer, Microsoft certified by something big certified. This is ummah certified by Allah If it is delivered by the Quran and by the Sunnah of the Prophet you get the certificate. Can we be certified? We should. Should work out for the certification of this ummah to be the best ummah delivered for mankind one more time. And I will, I will stop right here. I'm not going to take all your time. As I mentioned, it is just to give a general review of what we are doing here and uh, we'll continue our regular uh, procedure uh, next week, inshallah. Uh, we uh, stopped at uh, ayah number uh, 32 in Surah Al-Qalam. That's where we'll pick up uh, next time, inshallah. And I'll stop right here. Uh, if there are any questions, comments, please uh, go ahead. Yes. Okay, uh, the Quran in the order it is starting from Al-Fatiha, Al-Baqarah, Al-Imran, Al-Nisa, Wadu, Al-Nas because this is how the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told the people to have the, to order the Quran. He gave this order. He used to say, make this surah 
after surah, like when surah Ali Imran was revealed, he says, uh, make this after surah Alif Lam Mim. He used to call this surah with the name Alif, Al Baqarah was Alif Lam Mim. Follow this with surah Alif Lam Mim, Dalik uh, Al Kitab. So it is based on the revelation from Allah Azza wa Jalla. Now, in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they, Sahaba, they used to maintain two orders. Like Imam Ali, he had the order of the Quran and they used to call it Quran Ali, Mus'haf Ali and Mus'haf Uthman. So he had the order, the Quran ordered from Iqra, Al-Muddathir, Al-Muzzammil, Al-Qalam, Al-Basad, Al-Adha, Al-Shirah, Al-Fatiha. He had it in this order. So he, and nobody complained about that order being there. But the one that the Prophet wanted to call on Mus'haf, this is the, the book, is the one with the order uh, that was uh, maintained or later on compiled by Uthman That's what we have. So this is based on revelation. We call it Tawqifi. In Arabic, Tawqifi means Tawqifi is this is how it is. Any other questions, comments? Go on once, go on twice. <laughs> yes, that's the same. If we look around the world, we will find a lot of people that uh, read Quran and know Quran by heart, even the whole Quran, whether and everywhere in the Muslim countries. But uh, what's what's the reason behind? the Ummah being in this uh, position among the other nations even though the Quran is there and the people who read it and understand memorize it are there so what, what is the reason for that? well there is a difference between the hafal memorizing the Quran or using it in fact uh, the number of people who memorize the Quran and don't even know the Arabic at all is more than the people who memorize the Quran and know the Arabic and just by the counting the number in Pakistan, Bangladesh, Indonesia, Amman, and Turkey, there are more than uh, six, seven hundred million or more than eight hundred million Muslims. And among them, there is a large portion of people who memorize the Quran and they don't even know what's in it. So the memorizing the Quran has nothing to do with it's with the implementation. Uh, in fact. Uh, Allah Azza wa Jal in the Quran, when, when he wanted to make uh, a point on this issue, he says, أَفَلَا يَتَدَبَّرُونَ الْقُرْآنَ أَمْ عَلَىٰ قُلُوبٍ أَقْفَالُهَا Don't they follow the, what's in the Quran? Because التَدَبَّر means you follow the context of the ayah to the end. Because التَدَبَّر comes, whether you like it from, or not, from the دُبُر, which is the end. التَدَبَّر you follow the thing to the end, to its end, to the completion. So you don't know the first part of the ayah, you know the first and the end, you know it all. And that's what the means, the absolute detailed analysis of it so that you understand what's in there. Or you just like your heart. So you, you know it, but you don't uh, think about it. So the, the fact that the people 
the Muslims are not where they are supposed to be. It's not because they don't have the Quran, not because they don't know it, not because they cannot memorize it. Uh, none of these reasons. But the main reason is they do not follow what's in the Quran. They do not take what's in the Quran seriously. They do not implement the rules and the laws which are revealed in the Quran. They do not adhere to the orders and the commands of the Quran. That's uh, the main. And whenever I say the Quran, it's always make sure I mentioned this before. Whenever I say the Quran, the Sunnah is the immediately goes with it. The Sunnah of the Prophet Because the Quran says whatever the Prophet has given you, then take it. And the reason I say that because sometimes you'll find some of those they, they call it the, the Prevesi or the ones who are who say only the Quran we believe in, we don't care about the Sunnah. They they would love to hear this word. That, in the Quran, 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 meaning that we don't care about the Sunnah. That's not true. Because the Quran says whatever the Prophet has given you, then take given you, then take it. If he takes you, don't take, tells you don't take it, you don't take it. So the idea, the fact that the Muslims are not in the best shape they should be in because they are not following the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet. They are not implementing these rules. That's the idea. Translation and follow up, like you said, a lot of people they know just the Quran yes. in Arabic, or just memorize. Yes. Do, do, do they understand what is the meaning of? Well, for this generation. Yeah, even even those who know the Arabic, because I mentioned about those who don't know them. Even the ones who know the Arabic, they know quite often they know the linguistic meaning. When you say Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. I know Alhamdu means praise be to Allah who is the Lord of the world. Those are the literal meanings. But they do not take the context that Allah being the, the Lord of the world, He is the only one who deserves to be praised for His bounties. Which means, which means all of what we have in this world are not attributed to the World Bank or to the IMF or, or, or so on. There is lots of it. We say Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Everybody, every Muslim, Arab or not Arab, they know, yeah, praise be to Allah, the Lord of the world. But what does praise be to Allah, the Lord of the world mean? What does that, what, what does that mean to my life? What impact it has on me? Many people don't know because, because they chose not to think about it. As I said, they will, if you, the more you think about it, the more responsibility you will have. The more responsibility you will have. In fact, you will find, and I, I always give this type of example, in, in many places where uh, a scholar or a sheikh or a alim would sit and give us a talk on riba. Usually, that Allah says, He made sale permitted and riba prohibited. And he talks about all types of riba. That this can be riba, this can be riba, this can be riba, loan can be riba, exchange of currencies can be And he's brilliant on this. But then at the end of that, you would not hear a single word telling us where are the forms of riba that exist in our society which are illegal. He does not tell us that this bank that stands tall in Mecca 
is riba and it should not be there. He doesn't say that these banks in Istanbul that finance the entire economy of Turkey, which they call it the best model for Muslims today, which is all based on riba, he doesn't tell us this is haram, that this Quran is talking about that. That's the disconnect. So there's a disconnect. You know, you, you read something in, in the Quran, you love it. Like in Surah Yusuf, one of the most brilliant stories, in fact, brilliant stories in the, in the way it is being told. When you read the story, Allah called it Ahsar al-Qasas, the best of the stories. And you read, and in the Surah, when, when, and we all, many of us memorize, when Yusuf was asked by the two men about their dreams, beautiful Surah, two they tell Yusuf I saw this dream, I saw that dream. They say, okay, I'll tell you what you have seen and I will explain that. MashaAllah, it's good. But then, and when, when he says, when Yusuf tells them, Ya sahibi ya sijmi, ta'arbabun mutafarriquna khayruna billahu wa'ahidu qahara, ma ta'buduna min dunillahi illa asma'in sabaytumu, antum wa'aba'ukum, ma'azallahu wa'amahu yaamu sultan, ila al-hukmu illa lillah. When Yusuf now tells, you have so many gods other than Allah Your problem is not whether you dream or not. Your problem is you have so many gods. And those who is better, many gods or Allah And then when he says, in al-hukum Al-hukum belongs only to Allah where is the connect here? We are reading it, but we are disconnected. The disconnect is, oh, that means today, when we say al-hukum, ruling, is not to Allah Azza wa Jal in Jordan or in Syria or in Egypt or in Pakistan or Berlin. These are Arbaab. You know, remember when I started saying, those under their domes, the representatives, the legislators are gods? Because somebody could have challenged me. Why do why you, brother, are calling them gods? They are not. These are called congressmen, senators, kings, presidents. Why are you call them God? What? Didn't we read that in Surah Yusuf? Wallahu Allah Azza wa Jal at the time of Yusuf. Mutafarriqun. These are Arbab. Arbab means plural of Rab. Plural of Rab. Arab means God. Plural of gods. Many gods. And then he explained, The hukum only belongs to Allah. So if you give the hukum to anyone but Allah Azza wa Jal, that's Arbab. So if I read this ayah and I explain it and I do not make the connection, I don't make the connection that look what this ayah is talking about is similar to what we have today, then for you this Quran is meaningless. You love it, you like it, it's a good story, but that's it. That's it, you do not connect it. It's the connect. What really made the Quran able to deliver people at the time of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as in, remember when I said the Quran shook Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, stand up, get up, take a stand. So it's physical, it's physical. You know, just think of it, someone shaking you, get up, get up, take a stand. So the Quran was pushing Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, take a stand, that's a connect. Now if the Quran was telling Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, oh, those who take cover, they should not take cover. Big deal. He's talking about some other people, but he's talking to him. Yeah, you have to Use that. 
Quran says, all you who believe, stand up for Allah Azza wa Be standing up for Allah Azza wa which means that I have to take a stand. There has to be a connect. The problem, the main problem we have today, the main problem the world has, the Muslims, that the Quran is disconnected from our life. You all know, you know, when somebody dies someplace, and today, especially in the Muslim world, in many places, they have the 30 juz of Quran, 30, and then they have 30 people. Each one, please read one juz, it's 15 minutes. So in 15 minutes, we make khatam. And then dua to the MashaAllah, we did the khatam. And uh, if you want to be a bit more uh, sophisticated, you will get a good recital. You get a share from Egypt. Especially those who read like Abdul Basit. You pay him couple of hundred dollars, then he read it all. Not each Jesus by someone. So he reads the whole thing, and then when he he's done, you give him his payment, you make some walima, some food, and everybody eats and make God. Is that the connection of the Quran? How it's supposed to be? That's how it is. And you go to some of the nice ranches in the Muslim world, those who built a nice house and they decorate good Muslims. I'm not talking about uh, Indians for secular Muslims, good Muslims. And they have those fancy Qur'ans in marble. In marble. Big, when you move into the house, mashallah, beautiful. But you can't even touch it because if you touch it, you will ruin it. Maybe the wife will slap you. Because she has just dusted them. Can't do that. It's decoration. And the moment you start saying, Oh, this Quran should rule our life, you become a terrorist. You become a fundamentalist. You say, I don't even want to go that far, that way. I don't want to be one of those Sharia, or Sharia, those Sharia people. I don't want to be. If you are Sharia people, Sharia means you go for Sharia. Your Sharia people, man, you are, you are done. So you better be the so-called the moderate. The moderate means, okay, I will pray my five-time prayers, and then at the end of that, I'm okay, I'm fine. One Eid day, I'll bring some gifts to my kids. Some of us will put even trees. Eid tree. So what's wrong with that? It's a tree. It's a tree. They have a tree, I have my tree. I will decorate it with some small Quranic stuff instead of the walls. Come on. So we, I was going to use a, a strong, a strong word. We missed up our life. I don't want to use the S word for our life. Away from Islam. That's bad. And then, this best delivered Ummah for mankind, we are not the best Ummah delivered for mankind. In fact, we are the Ummah that's been crushed more than anything else. We are the Ummah whose blood is the cheapest. The blood of the Muslim today is the cheapest blood in the world. And you can actually do the math for it. Do the simple math. How many Muslims were killed in 2012 compared to non-Muslims? And do the, the ratio. We are one-third of the world, two billion compared to six billions or to seven. We are almost... 27% of the people. So if you find the number of people killed compared to our ratio, and you multiply that by a cost, 
for one drop for a sin, you will find our blood is the cheapest. The most spilled. Uh, that's the most spilled. Our the blood of the Muslims. We cannot be the best of Allah. No? Especially the, the, the Quran talking to us. It's a disaster. It's a disaster. And this Quran will be shahid. According to the Quran. This Quran will be shahid on us. It will be witness. On the day of judgment, it will witness. Saying that I was with this Ummah, they left me aside and they read me only when somebody died. They did not use me for anything useful. And then we'll be looking for rewards. Oh, I prayed five times, I lived for 60 years, 365 times 60 times 5, so you multiply the number of prayers. Come on. All of this is, is nonsense. I've seen some people who do the counts and they start counting our hasanat. You, you go to Juma, how far out do you live? One, one khatib was saying, oh, you live 10 miles, you drive. Okay, driving is counted. He said, driving is counted. Each step, so he counts the miles and the, the yards, how many yards, and he multiplied this with hasanat. And man, you feel so good that with this hasanat driving, maybe probably you will go even above Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa in Jannah because he was living next to the masjid. He didn't drive as, as far as you did based on this count and their calculation. This is ridiculous. The reality is, Islam is, is for life. Islam, Allah Azza wa as we saw in his tafsir, step by step, it's delivering you to do something. Stand up and stand for oppression, stand for tohiyan, stand for this man who is corrupt. Take strong stand. That is what Islam is about. And that's why the Quran is what the Quran is for. And that's the whole idea. So these Jamaat people that we hear every Tuesday, they come from somewhere else, they start reading the other books instead of the Quran. They should be teaching the Quran. Jamaat people, they usually hear everybody, they start, you see, if you tell them to read the Quran, though, they put the books out, Fazail or Ramal, Ramal or Fazail. And they, 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 they tell him how much reward he gets this, this, this. The whole shelter there. Yeah, he's talking about but, the public Jamaat. Yeah, yeah. But the, for the Quran, they just back down. Yeah. yeah, the idea is reading books. Many books is good, it's useful. Reading the Sunnah is definitely a must. Reading the Quran is a must. And this is not the idea. The idea is to build a connection to your life. Every single phrase in the Quran or the Sunnah or whatever comes from there must be connected to my life. To my life, to your life, to his life, to my daughter, to my wife, to our society. There has to be connection. If it's disconnected, think of the, the books that made difference in the lives of people. Capitalism, communism, Marx, Lenin, all of these. Whenever people took that book seriously in order to lead a revolution or to make a change, it made a difference. Even the book was wrong. It's not correct. If it's a wrong book, but when the people take it seriously to their life, it makes a difference. 
it makes change, it influences the behavior of people. And what is more relevant than the Quran to do that? Allah does not reveal Quran or send the prophets or messengers simply for you to take note of. He has a reason. He wants something to happen. In fact, there is an ayah in Surah Al Hadid, Surah the Ayah. Allah says, Inna We have sent our messengers with a clear sign. وَأَنزَلْنَا مَعَهُمُ الْكِتَابِ And we revealed the book with them, like the Qur'an of the Prophet وَأَنزَلْنَا مَعَهُمُ الْكِتَابِ وَالْمِيزَانِ الْمِيزَانِ the scale by which you weigh things. So, messengers, the book, and the scale. The scale which comes within the book. For what? For what reason? Anybody knows? Why? Because the Quran does say why. There is a reason. He said, messengers, the book, and the scale. Why? Anybody has an answer? What for? Well, you think so. That's later. You will be judging. But there is meaning. Yes. yes, but yes, true, but for a purpose, for yet one more for objective. To believe. Huh? To believe. To believe? Believers. No, 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 yeah, for the believers, but for what purpose? What's the purpose? What does he, why? Allah Azza wa Jalla could have created the world million times and did all types of things with it, like he did with the animals, with the sea, with the, with the, huh? Tawheed. Tawheed. No, he wants the Tawheed, but for what purpose? There is, a, there is an objective. There is something he wants out of this. Probably these young men here would know. What does the Quran, why did Allah send messengers for and the book for? Why? What does he want, uh, what does he want out of that? Come on. For what purpose? Huh? What to guide for what's the objective? Yes, true. All of this is guidance. To pray, to pray Allah Yeah, you think so? Because that's what we are doing. I want the I want the young men to say this. Huh? No, I don't want you to say. I want this young ones. It's, although it's the wrong answer. Yeah, that doesn't mean it's right. Come on. What do you think, guys? I know because this fitra will come out from these guys. The yaquma nasu so that people can live in justice. That's what the Quran says, the ayah. I'm not making it up. Because I could have made up something like you guys have made up. Everybody has made up something. But the Quran says, I have done all of this so that people can stand up in justice. Which, how could justice, how, what does justice, justice means fairness. So you get your fair share of life. Which means the messengers, the Quran, and the scales have to do with my life have to do with the, with the best of my life, with fairness, with being fair. Sometimes when, when, when the young boy tells his mother or father, you are not being fair, right? You hear this quite often, that's not fair. It's natural, the kid grows up, he wants things to be fair. Maybe he doesn't understand what's fair, but he wants it to be fair. Sometimes you feel you are not giving your right. You say it's not fair, something is not fair. Allah Azza wa says, I want things to be fair. 
offense. I want people to get their justice. Because I want the people to get their justice, I'm not going to come down as God and rule everybody and give you this justice, this justice. He could do that, but he said, I will do it another way. I will give you a Quran, a book. I will send you a messenger to explain it. Because the book sometimes you may not understand it, so he will send the Quran, and he send the messenger. And you will put some scales, some balances so that you don't, you don't go wrong. And then if you do that, if you judge with that, if you follow that, if you test that, if you rule with that, if you do your due diligence with that, then justice will be established. So there's a connect. So this Quran and this message is connected to our life. So if we don't connect it, if we, if we don't make this connection, this link, we'll go nowhere. Sometimes you go to internet, you hit the link. If it's a wrong link, it takes you different places. If it's a broken link, it doesn't take you anywhere. And if you, if you can't even hit the link with your mouse, you will not even go anywhere. So there has to be a link that's working. And that takes you wherever you want, to the place where you want to go. So with this Qur'an, you have to establish that link between the Qur'an and your life. And that's what we are trying to do here. We may not be able to do it. I'm not the most professional one in doing that. Anyone of us can, just we have to think how this to be done. Somebody has to start doing that. So the whole idea is really to establish this link between the Qur'an, the Sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, and our life. And this link is not how to pray. Because praying to Allah must have a link. Well, again, let me ask this question. You pray and we think that the prayer is it. The prayer is not it. Prayer is not that. The prayer is linked to our life. There is a link between the, which is part of the Quran, the prayer. What is the link between life and our uh, prayer and our life? Anybody wants to take a shot? Our salah. Salah is linked to our life somehow. The salah is related to our life by stopping us from doing fahsha, bad deeds, munkar and evil deeds. And in the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Salah doesn't count for those whose salah does not stop him from doing fahsha and munkar. So there is a relation. Here there is a relation. And then I talked in one of the khutbahs here about al-sawm. Assalam, we make salam. And the Prophet وسلم, does say that there are many people who fast, don't eat or drink, but then at the end of the day their hunger and thirst is just like that of a dog. Dog doesn't eat or doesn't drink because he doesn't have. He has nothing, no reward for this. Because he is not he is not getting that connect to his life, that salam is not having the impact. And Allah Azza wa Jal does say why he wants the siyam. He says, كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمْ الصِّيَامِ كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ 
He prescribed upon you asiyah so that you may have his taqwa. The taqwa is a, is, a, is a psychological status of you, self that you are always alert to the fact that Allah Azza wa may punish you for something bad. So there is a, there is a connect. There are connections between Islam and our life, between the Quran and our life, between the Sunnah and our life. We are not making these connections. We are becoming like robots. And sometimes we are becoming like very bad robots. Have anybody seen that scene on, on YouTube? The guy who prayed Taraweeh in less than two or three minutes in Turkey. And he was beaten by the people. It's, he did the prayer. And then they showed him in the hospital. People came and beat him up because he was, he really, he messed up the whole prayer. That's not prayer. And this is Taraweeh. And sometimes we see it here in our message. So you come and say, Man, I can't even get what the guy is reading. You can't even follow. What is the rush? What is it? Do you want to rush? You, are, you, have, you don't have too much time. Don't do 20 rakat. Yeah, don't do even eight. Don't even do taraweeh at all, if that's if it's a more time. Allah Azza wa is not rushing you into things. There has to be something behind this prayer. And this is not something connected only to prayers. Quite often the issue of hajj. Find someone, people go to hajj and come back. They are still financing with riba. They are still taking loans with riba. They are still, some of them, they are selling pork and beer and liquors. They have liquor stores. And when these guys go to Hajj, they go first to class Hajj. They pay the big, they have a good package. Five star. Because they want Hajj to be nice and smooth for them. That's the point. You can't get rid of your liquor and pork. You want to go to Kaaba. Do what? You think Allah Azza wa Jal is... Uh, is an old guy with an Alzheimer that he cannot remember things. Is that what you think of, uh, of God? So the issue here is we have to try to start reading this thing in a manner that we are able to start processing things. It doesn't have to be a person here sitting to do it. Maybe we can do two, three, five, ten sessions, but we cannot do it all. This will take forever. So we have to start making sense out of what we read. And that we have to start getting together as groups, as movements, as individuals, as scholars, to start getting together and doing things together so that we can do things the way Allah Azza wa wants and the way pleases Him. Yes, Well, uh, if there is no system of Islam, how am I going to be connected to the... Yes, like today. Well, brother, when the Quran was revealed at the beginning, there was no system of Islam. But the connection was to build that system. So that connection is how do I build the system when it's not there? So the connection is how do I make things happen when they are not happening? 
And when I have an obstacle stopping me in building Islam, how do I overcome that obstacle? Do I compromise? Like what do they do? Do you know They wish that you compromise and they compromise. What do I do? If people are stopping me and saying I am a liar or they don't believe in that, I say, okay, hit with you, I'm not going to follow. Or do I continue? So there are in the Quran, part of the connect is to see how I can do things when they are difficult to do. How do I make things happen when they are not happening? How I build a system when the system is not there? How do I make an imam or an amir if the imam is not there? How do I build a society if the society is not there? How do I come from uh, square one or square zero to, to the final square? So that connect is also done before the system is built and after the system, then the Quran starts telling you how to conduct your daily life. It's either way, it's, it's clear. But it's even more stronger, even more, when the, when the systems are not there, because more than two-thirds of the Quran, from the number of surahs, not the signs, were revealed at the time when the systems did not exist in Mecca. For 13 years, many of the surahs were revealed, except for the, the common the, the, the Mi'in, or the ones which are more than 100, ayah were revealed in, in Medina after the system was built. But many of the, most of the Quran, in terms of the number of surahs, I don't know about the, the size of the, the number of ayat, which, which is more or less, where, but more, the largest number of surahs were revealed in Mecca before the systems were built. So we still have something to do there. Okay, we'll stop right here. Zakumullah khair brothers. Inshallah, we'll see you next time, next week. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment, and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.